0: Kia and welcome to the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. Big show for you today. Plenty to get into, including Will Jordan. The big differences he made to the Crusaders that you might not have noticed. Talk about the kicking game, the short kicking game that a lot of teams use so effectively. Julian Savier, the new equal, top Super Rugby try scorer Let's look at the Mount Rushmore of power wingers. Akira Ioane made a big impact. How does he fit into the All Black selections? And could the All Black selections, especially on the bench, have a different weighting this year to suit the amount of skillets within the side, and your viewer questions—plenty of them coming through—and probably too many of them actually for us to answer. James Parsons, we'll try our best to get to them, though. We will. We will. You will. And over in Japan, Bryn Hall, welcome back again, Bryn. You've had a week to recover. You're uh, you're well and truly over the season.
1: No, I'm good, mate. I've had a um, a lot of training, so heading off to Europe very shortly. So I've had to be able to uh, get in the sauna and. Get some um, kind of training done at least before I head over there. But, it's actually good to see the buff and top some larges back. Yeah. The duration of the... The, the, of
2: the, the boss was sick of seeing me in the baggy one, so she thought she'd throw on the tight one today.
1: It
0: would have been like Brent Webb getting on his Warriors jersey back <laughs> in the day. Did you he need help uh, pulling it down? Uh, he's just trying to deflect from his, <laughs> his rubbish fade
2: that he got. Someone's attacked him.
0: <laughs> okay, let's get on to Will Jordan. Will Jordan made a massive difference. Oh. Uh, last week, Brim was talking about the difference he makes to the attack... Crusaders attack the way he allows everyone around him to have more opportunities. Bryn, you watched that on the weekend. You felt like a prophet to me. Uh, Were you pretty happy with the way that he went?
1: Oh, look, I think he'd be pretty stoked. Um, You know, eight months layoff, and to be honest, it didn't look like he missed a beat. I think, you know, we probably didn't even get to probably see um, the the massive line breaks and being able to um, break the line through his counter-attack ability, even though he was over 100 metres on, you know, eight or nine carries. Um, I think it's the... Ability that he's brought to this crusader system that they were missing. Um, And that's not to say that Ferg wasn't doing a great job. Um, It's just the difference between between Will Jordan and his ability to be able to counter-attack and see space and really, I guess, test the defensive line. And then you're looking at the set-phase tries as well one off the scrum, and one off the line out. Um, but I just want to give a special mention to David Harville in those, in those clips. Um, hopefully you can clip it, Ross, around how square he's getting in the lines that are from the, the loose score, the number eight, and then also Braden Ennall's ability to be able to open up that gap for Will to be able to then um, penetrate from that.
2: He's one of the few players that can run at speed with the ball in two hands. A lot of guys will, will catch and tuck and then need that arm to drive, but he's just ball in two hands the whole time swerves, gets that space and then has the ability to manipulate the defence to get the pass away and if they don't he's an ability to keep running at the same speed and I think you know that was a massive um, weapon for them at the start of the game and when Bryn says he makes other players look better I think it's the best we've seen of Maka Springer like Maka Springer is an outstanding talent, um, really um, shone for Tasman but hasn't really had that sort of game that he had on the weekend, and it's purely because the defence is so fixated on what Will's doing, what Richie's doing, the line that Badon-Eno is running, and all of a sudden, you know, Richie has to pick that pass for, for him to get um, that try, but I, I still think it, it allowed him to be his very, best, his very best self, and he'll get so much confidence from that. I felt all of the players, to be fair, in that back line was one of their better games, and I'm not putting that all on Will, that's a bit of a jump, a <laughs> um, bit of speculation, but the threat of him early definitely created um,
0: opportunities for others. You could see a difference in the shape, Grin, from the Crusaders. It looked more like the Crusaders we know with, with Richie hovering out the back and just being able to play how he wanted to play.
1: I think anytime you can have three pivots, really, and that's what Will kind of brings. Not only is he obviously very fast when he has the ball in hand, um, he's pretty much like another pivot with great communication skills coming into Davey and into, and into Richie. And then we haven't even talked about Noah Hotham and his his ability of work, how he was able to play the game because When you've got collectively three guys that are continually talking and seeing the space, you look at Will Jordan's example when Richie puts in that little chip kick. We'll touch on that with the Chiefs where they were able to do it against the Highlanders, but, you know, Will's seeing that space and the only way that Richie is able to kick that ball into that space is that Will's calling for it. Now, he didn't regather it, it, but if you're looking at the bounce of the ball and it went the other way, um, they could have scored off that. So that's the thing that Will does. He's got a great ability to be able to... Um, to see the space, but then also put others, like you're talking about Mecca Spring and his ability to be able to then uh, to score tries and be able to influence the game, along with Leicester scoring two tries as well.
0: Those passes weren't easy. You know, I know he used to be a halfback at school, Will Jordan, but they were long passes and they were sharp.
2: Yeah, they were, they were trace bullets. And again, he's not turning his body. like Bryn talks about square hips and why that's important to understand is because if a defender sees you turn your body, they o- almost know they can corral you to the sideline or you're going to pass. And he keeps square hips and just passes that bullet. I, I, I know someone that would really love to see that pass would be Mick Byrne. He loved a good uh, square hip pass um, in his day w- with us. But man, it was, it was yeah, it's not as easy as he makes it
1: look. I remember he'll probably give, give me a bit of stick for this, but when we we're going through lockdown, the amount of balls that um, we had to trampoline and passing to each other because it was a bit of a work on a couple of years ago with his distribution skills to be able to put players away. But now... Um, those passes you're talking about under pressure, staying square, to be able to fix that last defender, to then give the likes of Leicester and Mecca the ability to be able to score the try. Um, It's a really hard act to do, and I think the improvement in his game around that, um, again, is just it's one of the reasons why Will um, is one of the best players in the world.
0: You're just in the front yard in COVID lockdown, just throwing passes.
1: Tom Christie, myself, and Will, yeah, we used to have competitions out of 10, um, getting it right on the money. Will actually, early, early down in lockdown, wasn't um wasn't that great. Tom Christie was actually beating it. But um, thankfully, the last two years, he's continue to improve and now now he's got a great distribution game.
0: Bryn mentioned the short kicking game just before. We saw it with Bryn Gatland, we saw it with Will Jordan, we also saw it from the Blues, maybe with a slightly wider kicking game as well. Why why are they finding so much space right now with those short kicking games?
2: Oh, because I think we all know rush defence is a big thing and and players try to, you know, you even look at the depth of that pass, um, I suppose, from David, to Ritchie, to then Will, the depth, that path, to get on the outside of that defence. Like, the defence had to come quite a long way. And what the kick does, either cross field, if you fullback's back centre and your wing is up, there's a lot of space in there, and you've got to back yourself as a winger to have the speed, because this defender, if he's up, he's got to turn and go. You're going to pass him sort of like we saw on the weekend with a number of options. Um, but then it also creates, you're making the defence think. So if they don't adjust, you keep going there. But if they do adjust and, and Mm. say, the centre drops back for that little midfield kick that we saw from Daniel Rona to Sean Stevenson and all those, then the opportunities to get it through the hands. So you still got to pick the right option and and that's where the communication from wingers is so crucial. If you get those comms early enough, they'll see it, they'll back themselves and they'll call it and then it's just about the 10 really pulling trigger.
1: Because most nines now, well, predominantly in the New Zealand sides, is that the nine-wide defend on the edge. So, for example, in a four-man or five-man line-out, Predominantly in some teams, the, 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 the first the first phase or second phase, the halfback will be on the edge, defending the short side for a switch play. So then that gives all the space that's in the middle of the field. So you've got your two pendulum in the back, which are probably about 40, 50 metres, covering the kicks. But Because the nine is either on the edge or he's coming into the kind of heart defence and is really tight and trying to marshal the troops for like rovers or being able to see you know, your rock action leader, which is the first three defenders from the ruck. They're so fixated and concentrating on that there's always that space just that's in behind him, you know, Rona and even the Chiefs have done that very well throughout the and we're able to get through the Highlanders' um, ability because there was all that space there. And then the attacking kicks, I think, I think for the viewers, um, I guess next time you watch a game, the picture, I guess, for the wingers to call the kick space for an attacking kick, a crossfield kick, is if the last defender's inside that 15 metres. If they're inside that last 15 metres, then it's, that's your, kind of your cue to be able to communicate to your, your 12 or your 10 that the kick space is on. So. I guess for the viewers watching forward, if you're going to watch the game and you see um, the crossfield kicks, most of the times it's because that last offense inside that 15 metre line, and then it's a really good cue for the wingers to be able to put your hand up, because sometimes it's really hard to communicate that the kick space is on, and sometimes you need a cue around putting your hand up. Richard Mwanga or Bowden and Bauer will have a quick look, they see a hand, it's not even a communication sometimes, and then you're able to execute the kick. So those are some of the cues that I think um, the viewers, I think moving forward, if you see that, um, that's how it works.
2: I think as well, Bryn, it's if, that, if that fullback is too central or coming late, that's a big cue. Because even if the wing is, say, on the sideline marking you, man on man, you're always going to win that race. So if that pendulum's not working and that, that blindside wing is not releasing the fullback early enough yeah. to cover that kick space, that's where a lot of, you know, that's where Clark's one came from in
0: the weekend. Yeah, just to go over the pendulum again, Bren, because we've probably got some new viewers who haven't seen you explain this before. What does the pendulum mean?
1: The guys in the backfield, right? So um, you know, you would probably have to think ten or fifteen years ago, it, it'll predominantly just be your fullback that's just roaming the backfield. But with how the the game going at the moment and being able to bring the line speed pressure, the pendulum is the two guys in the backfield. So it's usually a fifteen, where you might have a number ten, and those guys are in the middle of the at the back in the backfield, using a pendulum to go back and field to go back and forth across the field. So you're covering. I guess, all that distance in the backfield with two people. But again, when you've got good teams, like we talked about, that if you don't get that right, or even sometimes the halfback is involved in that pendulum just in behind trying to cover those chip kicks. But, you know, some teams are doing some really good previews knowing that the halfback might be on the edge for one or two phases. Then you've got to be able to see that space. So the pendulum game, um, that's probably the best way that I'd explain it. Mm.
0: Now, we've got uh, two rugby dictionaries with me here, so if there's something we've said that you didn't quite understand, put it in the YouTube comments, send us an email, rugbypod at sky.co.nz, or send us through a video submission if you want to, like you saw last week from Sigrun and, and we'll attempt to answer those questions and start creating a bit of a rugby dictionary for you guys to understand the lingo that's going on in the modern games. So plenty to learn, pendulums, you know. <laughs> plenty to talk about. Many of other things to, to go through. Uh, Noah Hotham, you mentioned Noah Hotham, uh, made an outstanding contribution at nine. His first start in New Zealand for the Crusaders, looks like the first of many. Do you think that he has put himself in a position possibly to get a start against one of the big teams?
1: He was outstanding on the weekend. And I think the, the platform that the forwards uh, put up from whether it be set piece or line out and even the breakdown as well, um, was able to give him the opportunity to do that. But you know, one thing that he does he does really well that probably even myself, Drummy and Willie um, is his, his ability to be able to break the line when it comes to the running. You know you look at the, the dummy and go um, going through and then also the support lines that, you know, a traditional line runs. But you know, he does bring something different in and around um, that, that Crusaders environment. The one thing that I was really impressed with, and I know against the Blues or against you know the New Zealand teams, the kicking game is really important, and his ability to be able to get a couple of execution of his box kicks to be able to get Macca Springer or Leicester going to get those ball back, I think was a really important um, growth in his game to be able to see if you do do start, you've got to be able to do that consistently at the Crusaders. So, um, But knowing Razor... Um, there's no rush, I think, with Noah. I think with Willie Hines being injured for the next couple of weeks, the ability to have um, Noah come off the bench, whether that be 50th minute, 55th minute, 60th minute, to then come on and influence the game with those things I've talked about, especially his running game late in the game, will be really good. But, um, you know, Mitchell Drummond, he's, he's an experienced campaigner, has been in big games and understanding, you know, there's a lot of things when it comes to those big games that halfbacks have to control the game. So I feel there's no rush with Noah. He is, obviously well, you could see that he would be deserving of a start, but. I'd go with Mitch and um, let Noah um, learn from that experience, come on in a Blues game and experience that game in a big game uh, coming off the bench like that.
0: It is a massive game in the context of this. The Blues third, the Crusaders fourth, but both only just behind the Brumbies in second. So there aren't going to be many bigger games as far as what the finals are going to look like and who gets home advantage than this game. The Blues, that second half wasn't pretty, was it?
2: It it, it, certainly was. I don't don't think they'd probably be overly happy with... um, you know, the whole 80 minutes and since. But a lot of late changes, like, Bowdoin Barrett was mm. probably the key cog. Like, a lot of opportunity was given in that game-driving space where they were so clinical in Fiji. They executed that perfectly, you know, to the point that Caleb, you know, although it wasn't a 50-22 because the ball was passed back, he was he was kicking. So they, they had a game plan, they executed it, and, and they got the result they deserve. On the weekend, sometimes when you get opportunity, you really want to stake your claim. But what's when the Blues are going well... Their breakdown's ruthless, and they get quick ball. Mm. And their, their ruck-to-kick ratio mm. is probably around three or four rucks and then kick. And they'll go to those contestables. They've, they're leading the comp in retaining kicks. So that, that, it's a big part of their game, I think. For attacking and contestable kicks, they're around 35% re- retention, which is pretty good this day and age. And if they don't get a retention, they get a good breakdown because they can tackle and get them to the ground. Mm. It's, 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 the, it's, the, it's their DNA, because they don't like playing between the 40s. Like it's just wasting, they've got big forwards Mm. and it's wasting energy that they could utilize when they're in the 22. So going to that kick strategy and and I'd say it was probably, I don't know the actual stats of how many rucks to kick ratio there was, but there was a lot less kicks and and obviously they had quite a bit of ball. Um, So you'd have to think it was a lot higher around that sort of seven and eight probably. Um, And and even when Bodie got um, interviewed during the game, he said, our territory game's just not there. We need to get down that other end of the t- field. And then the glaringly obvious thing, which doesn't matter how many changes you make, is discipline. Um, they just gave away too many penalties. They, they couldn't get their game going. I don't know how many times they got through three phases, but it wasn't often. Um, so that, that, that discipline and piggybacking Moana down the field, um, which we haven't seen from this year, their discipline's been pretty good. But it's again, it's that excitement and that desire. Mm. When you get your opportunity, you, you, want it, you want to make a statement so so much that you sort of don't um, you know, always stick to the game plan.
0: I think that a little bit of kudos needs to go to Dalton Papali'i in the end there. I know that MP probably showed their lack of maturity in finishing off games with probably some unnecessary penalties and, and cards. Mm. But you felt Dalton knew that if they continue to push scrums, continue to push, the reward is going to come, and it showed quite a lot of patience.
2: Yeah, and I think, and a lot of belief, because sometimes going to a scrum is dangerous, mm. like if you think about it, because if it collapses and the ref sees, I don't know, a prop's feet go at the back, and he views that as the Blues have taken it down, it can be, especially against a side with less numbers, um, but you, once they lost one and Levi O'Mua came on to the side, you knew that you might as well just keep, milking another penalty and it's either going to be penalty try or someone else is going to go and then if it's if they hold their own well you've got to back Rico with pace um, to probably score there yeah. so the scrum was definitely the right option um, but I agree with you yeah. um, it was you know you think about the Chiefs game when everyone was quite harsh on Dalton not taking three points mm. um, but you know I think he, he's he's growing every every week as a leader and, and he, he he didn't even look um, like it wasn't going to be the option.
1: When they went down to that yellow card, I think it's going to be a penalty trial. They're going to continue to keep going for the, for, I guess, for another sin bin. And I think there's one instance, I think in that, that, that scrum, Cam 4 actually took it off the back of the scrum. Mm. And then it was the ability for them, for, in my mind, it was like, okay, they haven't they haven't got a penalty here. Can they just hold on and be able to defend their line? Because obviously you've taken away the advantage of having that, that scrum to be able to be a penalty trial or another person that's going to get sent off. But then obviously, you know, it will discipline in those crucial moments, like you said, around maturity, Ross, you know, understanding that, you know, you've done you've got that done there, staying in it. And Lots of Anisi actually talked about it and when he was talking about it in his um his conversation on the sideline was having the ability to be able to stay in it. And so you probably have to think in that last five minutes, getting that group together and saying, you know, what what were we thinking here? How could we get better here? Because you did the job in the scrum. Obviously they took it off the decision for camp swore four. And then you give away a penalty because you're not behind the line and Mike Curry gets sent off from that situation then leads into um, the penalty try you know so it's really tough for mana pacifica because you know everybody's talking around that game they should have got that job done but in saying that to the blues credit and to dalton's leadership understanding that you know what there's an achilles heel achilles heel here and we're going to hammer it till we get someone off or we get a penalty try and, and that's what happened they ended up winning 31 30.
0: as the president of the kero Ioane fan club <laughs> must have been relatively happy with his return oh, i
2: thought it was a massive game um you know They've asked him to be busy and get into the dark stuff. He certainly did that, but then he did the, um, you know, the highlight reel stuff as well. I mean, that try with that Caleb scored, the line he ran, um, and I suppose the inside offload. When a player's coming over your shoulder like that, and he's still flicks it around that player and gets you know and then it looked like honestly it looked like Caleb was shot out of a cannon he, he exploded onto that so fast yeah. but it was more the stack tackle key turnovers when they're in defence in their own 22 breakdown turnovers dominant hits um, his collision work in and around the breakdown um, and he just constantly was there every time you're watching you know, it was you know Akita was mentioned time and time again and um, he's only had a couple of goes off the be- off the bench so I was really impressed to see him go 80 minutes and he was you know, right in the thick of it till the end. Um, So, yep, I'm a big fan of his, there's no doubt, but I think his actions are the talking um, on the
0: weekend. And it came along at the good time for a question we had from Adam Robinson, one of our viewers. Now, Adam has asked about the blindside flanker position. He feels that that is probably one of the weaker points for New Zealand. There certainly isn't someone who's absolutely owning that position or hasn't been for the last couple of years. He says, Tubo Vai has been playing lock. Uh, Frizzell and Ioani haven't got back to their best. If it's Scott Barrett, does he need to be playing six for the Crusaders, or can Jacobson be a dominant AB's six? What do you think about that?
2: I think you've got to put Blackadder in the mix as well. Yeah. Um, I think he he the way he came back those first few games, um, the only key for him has actually been able to stay on the field. Um, I think Luke Jacobson's a great person to consider. Like he's back to that sharp shoulder, um, tackler, defender, ball carrier, playing his role within a pretty impressive pack at the moment. Um, you know can't be too hard on Nikita at the moment he's had you know one start he's just got to get some runs on the board I think this week will be a massive week if he can really perform and this is where I think the decision will come down to is these guys that are playing six come finals time you know they need to be playing that test match level and being a difference being that enforcer that we know Ian Foster wants he wants his Jerome Kaino like let's not kid ourselves and and he'll he'll want to see that um, you know in the finals and and I know that there's talk about Scott Barrett at six, but the way he played against the Chiefs, man, like I didn't get to celebrate him last week, and I saw this question. So I want to take, I want to take the moment. Um, where's his stats? Uh, 11 carries, 14 tackles, 37 rucks. So we talked about Brodie mm. and his work rate. Well, there was no one better in terms of carries, tackles, and rucks than Scott Barrett in that Chiefs, and that's that Test match. Yeah. Do you know, I know he's playing at lock, but you know, it does. Um, you know, it does make sense against the islands, um, the, the French, and you know, even the English and, and the Springboks, when you've got three hard-working, I know he's a lock, but hard-working players of Whitelock, Retellick and Barrett, I think he is considered, and I think he's probably l- really liked in that position by Jace Ryan and Ian Foster, what he showed last year, so he's another one to consider.
1: You know, a lot of times I've talked to you on the physicality of when you're coming up against the French, especially the Irish, if you can have a Retellick, White Whitelock, and even have Barrett, who does all that duty work and the, the, I guess, the kind of stats that Jip was talking about. Um, I think that's what we kind of need when we're going to end up playing those players. But that's not to say that Aki or Shannon Frizzell, who you know, has, has been there or thereabouts the last couple of years, that they can't do that job. But um, it's just showing that in those games, they have leaned, leaned towards having Scott Barrett in that position for the for the kind of facts and stats that Japan brought
0: up. And this kind of leads into the next question that we've got. This question has come through from Nadav Pizarro via email. He said, The preferred starting back line that seems to have taken shape, Smith, Moonga, Clark, Barrett, Ioane, Jordan and... Uh, not, yeah, and other Barrett includes a 12 that can cover right wing fullback, a 13 that can cover left wing, a right wing that can cover fullback, and a fullback that can cover fly half. It seems to me that the only positions not covered in case of injury is nine in the centres. Doesn't this provide the perfect opportunity to go with a 6 2 split on the bench?
2: Depending on the opposition, yes. Like, I wouldn't argue with any of that. You're probably looking at a nine um, and a midfielder, as he, as he mentioned, which is probably between Anton, Jack, and David Havili. There's probably someone else I'm admitting. Or Even like, if, if we're going outsiders, like a Proctor, um, Umanga Jensen, there's guys anyway that can fill that role. But you'd have to think probably Anton or David Havili have got the inside running. Mm. Um, Nines, obviously, whoever that is. And then it could be the point of difference. You know, like, uh, what do the Springboks call it? The bomb squad? Yeah. You know, is their front row. Well, you know, if you think you carry those three Lucies and, you know, last 15, 20 minutes in, in a test match, you know, you could put a Scott Barrett into lock and yeah. then have three sort of fresh guys available to bring it home. It, against like a Springboks or an Ireland or a France, it's it's exciting because because
0: of the versatility in the backs. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what do you think of that, Bro? Yeah,
1: I think, yeah, it's spot on. I think, obviously... You're looking at the physicality side of, with the likes of an Ireland, um, the French, and the South Africans having that 6-2 split. Um, especially coming how how vicious the breakdown is, um, it's a great way to be able to try and help out your pack because you know with the flexibility that we have in our backline, the only real position that I think centre, we don't have an out-and-out centre. You know, Rico Iwana gets injured in the first 20 minutes, then you need to be able to have that that person that can play that 12:30, and that, that comes back for the likes A or Jack and David Harville who possibly you know hasn't played a lot of centre, but. He Mr. missed and probably could do a job there, but that's kind of where I'd go in that 13. But, yeah, I think, look, the ability of where the game is, and I think if you did have a 6-2 split, you'd have to say two years ago, we'd say, no, we'd never do a 6-2 split. But I think with where the game is and where those top teams are and the physicality of the breakdown, having those three loose wards could be pretty much like the bomb score when it comes to the the front row of the South Africans. It could be a real point of difference for us. So whether they do that or not, um, I'm not too sure. I think it's a great point point, a great question because... Um, I definitely could see the positive the positiveness of us doing that, considering where the game is with those top ten nations and the breakdown and physicality of what the forwards are expected at that level.
2: To to play devil's advocate though, you'd only do it if you're going to use it. Mm. So that would mean yeah. Artie and Sam are going to come off the field. Yeah. And you think of that, and you're like, wow. Like Arty's an eighty minute man. Yeah. You know, so there's absolutely no point if there's no. Um, desire to do that, and
0: You'd if you end up short of backs, <laughs> Artie can pop out onto the wing or whatever you need him to do yeah, as well. So could a yeah.
2: Um, but what, all I'm saying is, there's no point in having two guys just sit there if, we're, if you're not going to mm. use
0: them. So yeah. if
2: you're not going to use them, you might as well mm. stick with the traditional, you know, setup.
0: Mm. Well, why don't we uh, take a bit of a look at that Canes game? I, it was really interesting at the start of the Canes versus the Drawer. The, one of the opening quotes from Greg Clark, the commentary legend out of Australia, is form doesn't stack up in the Fiji heat. And boy, was he right. It
2: certainly was. Um, and they didn't... I mean, you actually have got to give a bit of credit to Fiji in the Fijian Drawer. I, I thought... Um, Lomani was really good, Bryn, like in the way he milked a couple of penalties by passing to guys. Um, he didn't overplay his hand. They got down that end and, and sort of said, oh, if you want to play your game, play it. Mm. But you probably will run out of um, energy. And, and that's probably what we saw. Um, and then some good impact from Valentini. Like, kickers are just so valuable. Mm. Um, and those were not easy kicks. And he he, he brought it home. Uh, when you probably thought the Crusaders, yep. uh, <laughs> Crusaders, Hurricanes were about to run away with it. Um, But you go through the stats and there's 25 minutes ball in play. So I don't... It would be easy to say the Hurricanes overplayed their hand, but in terms of position and territory, it wasn't that much different. Um, I I just think the heat just sucked the tank dry. And and Fiji were probably a little bit frustrated after they didn't quite get the performance they wanted against the Blues. So their collisions were a lot more, um, I suppose, direct and a little bit more venom.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was an amazing watch. And it makes you think that in, I suppose, when you look at Super Rugby as a whole, Bryn, where the crowds aren't necessarily huge and the passion's not necessarily there all over the place, and you look at that game and you look at that crowd and you look at that result and you say to yourself, is the draw the most important team right now to Super Rugby? In that they are showcasing what it is to be a professional sporting outfit who captivates fans.
1: Oh, 100%, 100%, and look, there's been, you know, for a long time before the Fijian Drua were here, there's so many Fijians that were coming to New Zealand or Australia or any parts around the world that are currently playing overseas that are able to be able to influence games because just that's who they are, they're such special players, and then to have a team like the Fijian Drua come into the Super Rugby uh, Pacific and being able to get results, and these aren't just results against, you know, the bottom teams, the Crusaders, who hardly, you know, they would have to say it would be one of their best victories ever, and then you've got just being the Hurricanes, The top team. They didn't. They didn't risk anybody really. They knew the challenge that was going to be going over there, and they got the result against a top quality Hurricanes team. So you bring on the fact that you see a pack, a pack, a fan base, and you're seeing when they're winning that, when they're giving the points in the last minute, the screaming fans and showing how much enjoyment it has. I think it's been a real breath of fresh air for the Super Rugby Pacific. I think because you know we've talked about a lot around the dwindling crowds and not being able to have people on a lot of empty seats but you go over to Fiji and I can tell you those players that are going over there right now it's a hell of an experience even though you're on the losing side of it the fans of what they bring in Fiji um, the hospitality be able to, how much support they give to not only the Fijian through but the, the teams that travel over there well they support them very 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 good as well so I think they're the highlight of the, of the year to be honest I think you know you look at the Chiefs in their unbeaten run but I think for the sake of the competition and very similar to the Hagwaitis I think right you know, with the Argentinian side, we wanted them to be able to improve their rugby for the international level, and they were able to make a final in their third or fourth year, being obviously losing in Christchurch, but very similar to the Ndurua. You like to think that the ability of are playing in the Super Rugby Pacific and the ability of all their players overseas is going to make them a lot better come World Cup time and moving forward in the international ranks as well.
2: I hope they do start looking at how their stats differ at home and away, because I think they play the heat really well. Yeah. Again, there was one ruck mm. in their 22. And I, I go, I harp on about this, but when they don't play footy in their half, they win footy games. Yeah. It's just like, it's so simple. And when they're direct and they don't try to overcomplicate things, like again, they were 62% gain line. Against the Blues, they were like 41. And they played too much in their own half. They don't get the results. Mm. So th- it, when they go to Perth, they just need to pretend it's hot. <laughs> okay? And <laughs> it, it may be, I don't know what time they're kicking off, but... Just play down that end. Like they're, they're actually better, they need to credit themselves more. Like They've actually got the game right there. They just need to replicate the way they play in Fiji um, away from home, whether it's hot or not, um, because, man, they're, they're, they're a quality side. Like, like the Hagawares, I, I think like they just almost need to convince themselves a little bit, especially when they go away from home, because they're clearly a different team at home. They, they almost feel, you almost get the sense they know they've won before it's kicked off and that's quite powerful Mm. that mindset Mm. needs to be shifted and I think there's no better game this week in Perth for them to do that to give themselves the belief Um, and if they execute you know they're knocking on 7th 8th you know they could even climb with their run home they've got two home games you know that could potentially take them to 6th
0: yeah Uh, the follow question to that question having watched Moana Pacifica play this year and the low crowd numbers. And obviously they haven't been around for as long. They've only been around for a couple of seasons and haven't had the chance, whereas the Drua had a couple of seasons before they got into super rugby. But are Moana Pacifica missing a trick here by playing in Auckland? Should they also be using the advantage of being in Samoa or Tonga for their home games or a mixture of the two? I would
2: say um, in time that's probably where they want to go. Yeah. Absolutely. Because that's the whole idea of the side. Um, the difference is, is a lot of the players, like they're based in Fiji most of the year, so mm. they're, they're physically used to it. Yeah. That's the difference is you can go in there fit, but you're not used to it, so that's why it's hard for opposition. As you saw when Mona Pacifica went to Samoa, it was actually they probably struggled because the Queensland Reds came from, from a eight. temperature, yeah, 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 and they it actually benefited them. We we did the same thing with the Blues. We played the Reds in Samoa, and mate, they were just like we, we won the game eventually, but it went down to the wire purely because we were gassed and they were so used to it. So um, if they do that, they've got to go over there, mm. you know, and yeah. the talent's there. If you look at um, Miracle firelungi you know, like the talent is there, and I think that's. The more that they can bring that talent over, then it will make more sense because there'll be a, a product line. And that's what I'm saying, I think that's where they want to get to. Mm. That's where they want, they yeah. want academies and they want systems and they want local players having a pathway to super rugby. Yeah. You can't just, like, Fiji and Droa had a little bit more set up through yeah. Sevens and, and, you know, sort of, I suppose, been one place, Yeah. when you've got a couple of places, there's just a bit more um, logistics. Mm. To, to go before they can just do that. But like I said, I think make no bones about it, that side wants to be there in time with a full setup and and pathway for for local Pacifica boys. Although that I think I started balding with that last twenty minutes of the blues minor <laughs> Pacifica game. Well, balding more. Um, but they've a lot of people that aren't rugby fans coming up saying, "Oh, I watched it. It was so good. It was enthralling." And I was, oh, you know, like, and it didn't matter. They just liked the close nature of the game and the way it finished and the drama and um, so that you know that uncertainty of results you know brings eyes to our game. Oh, even the Rebels push the Brumbies.
0: There was a moment in that where Noah Lolisio scores this outrageous try from the end of the earth puts the ball down addresses the camera and goes Carter Gordon. <laughs> Carter Gordon. He said Carter Gordon's name like basically questioning Eddie <coughs> Jones. On screen saying, what were you thinking picking him and not me in the Wallabies squad? I think... Wait a moment.
2: Based on his performance, I think we all know why. Yeah. Because he was trying to get a reaction and get some life back in his... You know, he'd, he'd probably become so accustomed to being picked. Yeah. Getting opportunities and it was just a prerequisite. And then the shock, you know, we've spoken about Tate McDermott and the way he's reacted Jake Gordon. He's just another player... He was so hungry. You look at that try he scores. He almost steals it yeah. um, from the forward coming around the corner to get it and just punches that hole and scores. He, he singled this game out to yeah. make a point.
1: And there should be no excuse for him, You know He's been around long enough now. We've talked about it earlier when he was selected last year around giving him growth in the growth he has had in his game. He should be having those consistent performances every single week. He's got a great forward pack. He's probably got, you know, they, they are the best team in Australia. They're the best of the crop over there. Um, obviously, other, other teams are improving, but there should be really be no excuse around Noah being able to kick on now and, and seeing those performances more consistently. And it's great. Look, hey, obviously he wasn't picked for a, for a squad with Eddie Jones, and it might be a method to his madness being able to uh, light a few fires under some guys' asses. But, look, I think uh, for Noah, I think it should be really, he should be really kicking in now and getting those consistent performances with the team that he's in, and we should see things moving forward because I think he's a great player, great talent, but that consistently that you talked about, it, Joe, I think it's time for him to really um, bite down the ball and get those consistent performances leading into this, um, leading into the World Cup as well.
2: If that's Noah's, you know, maybe it's his true personality and he does have that belief in mm. himself, but he's probably been trained to be a little bit more robotic. If that's who he is, let it out. Be his real self.
1: Yeah. And that's why I think Ruby, too, like, obviously this is another person, like Ruby Tui, that's why she's been a massive hit in New Zealand and in the world rugby, because she's authentic. Mm. You know, she's obviously a character and she- speaks very well and um, she is who she is and she wears a heart on her sleeve, which I guess for most fans have really absorbed that with who she is as a, as a person. So, you know, it's probably one thing that I think the men's game probably doesn't have. You look in New Zealand, who are really the characters that are in New Zealand rugby at the moment? I couldn't really point out anyone that was kind of at that stage of where Ruby is, how authentic she is. I w- I'd really struggle to find a character in New Zealand rugby that you'd be able to say, oh, yep, that's a character or someone that's authentic and does something a little bit different from the status quo. I
2: think there's a couple. I mean... Naitoa <laughs> Akoi definitely is um, oh, yeah. you know, different, but that's who he is. Mm. Um, I think Angus Tarvel yeah. is another one. Um, they're, they're there, but I suppose it's less, um, probably the perception is it's less acceptable to be like that because it does, or the vulnerability to be like that is risky. Well, because every- look, we're talking about it, you know, Bryn makes a great point, <laughs> he's going to have to back it up now. You know, there does become... A, I'm not saying he's afraid of that pressure or people should be afraid, but those are the sorts of things, I suppose, you have to consider.
0: You've got to be a humble Kiwi, don't you? That's that's what they ask for in the men's game. It's team first above everything else. You know, we've got all those things. We've got the three-player rule and the way that the yeah. promos are done. It's, it's never about an individual. It's always about everyone. And in that way... And it's learned from you, club rugby. Yeah. So
2: this isn't just professional. Like, it is a... But... Yeah. I think it's becoming more syndrome. and more... Um, Prevalent, mm. I think. You know, like, you know, I think you look at uh, Sever Reefs and uh, Rico Yuani around the crossed arms. Yeah. You know, like they're good mates, but when they're on the battlefield, they're, they're into each other. You know, so it does come. There, there are there are guys that are authentic in the way they behave, and that that you know it is entertaining. The nature of letting people be themselves. Yeah. Whether that is you're a recluse, fine. Yeah. Whether it is you're out there. Um, you know, letting people know that you should be the first five for the Wallabies. Beauty. Let's celebrate that. Let's you know, you know, get get them behind those sort of personalities.
0: Something else to celebrate. Julian Savia Equaled the all-time Super Rugby try-scoring record with Israel Flower. Admittedly, did it in over fifty games more than Israel Flower. But let's not take away from the fact that that's still a lot of tries um, that he scored. Julian is a player who was unstoppable, then left and we didn't see him for a long time because he had form issues and then went overseas and then he's come back and has made his name as a really strong veteran within that side. Obviously a power winger, obviously stacks up when you look at the tries he scored at test level, second only to Doug Howlett for the All Blacks. Tremendous player in the pantheon of Super Rugby. Where does he sit? That's what we're going to look at now. As a power winger, who is on your Mount Rushmore of power wingers? It doesn't have to be Super Rugby. This could be of all time. Power wingers, who is oh. in the top four?
2: Rupert oh, Southall and Booker has to be there, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, he's a power winger, and you know, for the limited time he was in Super Rugby, he was pretty sensational. Um, Jonah Lomu yeah. um, was, was pretty good. I've got Savia in there. I think he's stood the mm. test of time and, and continuing to do well. And then the fourth, I sort of, there, there's a, I mean, there's, I was focusing more on super rugby. Yeah. But just trying to think off the top of my head. Super um, rugby's good. I've, I've got, I had Rockathoco in there, but I think Tuolangi yes. was pretty <laughs> impressive, especially when they yeah. beat Australia. Yeah. Like he was a big reason when yeah. Samoa were going really, really well. So if it was to be, he has to be in the, yeah, picture for me, I'd be in no hurry yeah. to tackle Nandolo's another yeah. one as well. I think Sarah's he is pal. Pete, Matt he Duffy knows him really well. <laughs> um, sorry, Duff.
1: Yeah, you talk about Matt Duffy in that in that um, video where he's obviously been bumped off, Chip. I wasn't too far behind him, missing that tackle actually. I was right next to him. So yeah, the top four that I that I had, I had Jonah, um, I had Rapini, Nandolo, and then I had Jordan as well. And then also a special mention to uh, Wasaki Naholo. I think his longevity of him at the Highlanders. He was a great power winger and whenever we played him, he was always tough to tackle as well.
0: When I did mine, I I just felt bad that Vaingadoui Gamala wasn't on there because he hasn't played super rugby, but he is Mm. the forefather of the modern power winger. Before Jonah, Mm. Yeah. It was Vainga You think about those tries he scored in the 91 World Cup and he's coming in and he's smashing people and he's doing that. He, so I was like, I, I feel like... He probably invented the power winger. Yeah, he did. <laughs> well, he, he basically did, you know. Really, he was the guy who took it to the next level. So I think him and Jonah, obviously. I, I went with Nandolo as well. Um, I thought, you know, geez, he's just a monster of a human being. Just a pure power winger. You're just thinking about guys who are, like, bumping people off. That's Julian as well. Like, I, I thought those four guys for me were as powering as go, like pure. Yeah. And Tuilangi lungy as well. Yeah. Massive, moment. Well, I,
2: I think of Julian and Nandolo's probably in the same boat, is whenever you're playing those sides, there'd be a lot of review on stopping them. And yeah. that's almost when you know yeah. they're, they're very influential. Um, and the, the focus would be always shutting down time and space, not letting them get a run up.
1: All oh, right, no, I was just going to say the one thing with Nodolo made him so special. Well, obviously, you brought up the question, Ross, around the power winger. He was obviously a massive power winger, but his kicking game, man, his left foot, his ability to be able to grubber um, and use that skill that he had made him, I think, is one of a, you know, not only a power winger, but a complete winger and that, and obviously, ball in air. Um, that's why I just had Nodolo. He was um, he was a special talent, man, and I'm grateful that, obviously, he was able to, to don the Crusaders jersey as well.
0: At the complete opposite end of the scale, I have this memory of being in Christchurch and watching Damien McKenzie tackle Nadolo in the corner and being like, how did that just happen? Like, because that man <laughs> is full of courage. <laughs> just so much courage. Oh, like you just see this little whippet flying across the field in this yeah. ginormous tank of human being. And then bang in the corner, and he pushed him out. You talk about team first. That's that's a definition
2: of team first. Yeah, did
0: not care <laughs> much for his own body on no. that particular occasion. So yeah, quite quite an incredible player, Damien McKenzie, considering how big Nandolo is. So I, I I wouldn't want to tackle any of those blokes. Have you found yourself underneath any of those blokes? Yes,
2: Julian Nandolo. Yep. I just went low. Yeah, very very low, and got off the back of the <laughs> line-out because I used to defend at the tail of lineout. So when the wingers just come straight off.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, there was a thing the Crusaders used to do, this shows how much of a rugby nerd that I remember this, but Kieran, that Kieran Reed and someone else, I think maybe Crockett would drop off the tail of the line out, they'd hit Kieran Reed, and then Nandolo would come between them. Yeah. And I, I got the pleasure of having to take Nandolo that day And. I got him down, but he dragged me for a few meters.
0: <laughs> the headgear and its stripes, that Yeah, it did, it did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, now we've got a few more viewer questions to get through. Uh, we've had plenty coming through. Uh, if you want to ask us a question, our pod at sky.co.nz. Go into the YouTube comment section, ask there. We go through those each week as well. Thank you for bringing them through. In fact, we've had so many that we can't get through all of them this week. Um, so thank you for contributing, and we'll try to get to them as soon as we can. Um, the ones that we haven't done are ones that we think maybe we could use at a later date, and so we'll hold on to them and, and bring them back at a later date. So thank you for sending through all your questions. Based off the back of the Highlanders, 28-52 loss to the Chiefs. David Lawrence, I'm a Highlanders supporter. This year we look dreadful. Next year, Aaron Smith will be gone. In the meantime, Moana Pacifica and the Drua are both getting better, and even the Force are showing signs. Is it possible that my Highlanders could finish bottom of the table next year? Bryn?
1: No, I don't think so. But I think they are in trouble in terms of um, where they are as a group. And I think just the unfortunate thing, I think, for the Highlanders is the cattle that they have. You know, there's a lot of. They're obviously they they've gone through the academy run. There's a lot of young guys that have come through and actually playing really, really well. You look at Holland, um obviously guys like that that have come through their junior system. There's obviously a couple of young halfbacks that have come through. And so no different from where the Chiefs were. I think they're a little bit worse off at I think the Hollands are a little bit worse off from when the Chiefs were um, in 2020, 20 or 21, giving guys opportunities to be able to then um, experience what super rugby's like and then been able to then where you see now, where they're playing consistent rugby, all those those guys that have had three or four years now under their belt are playing really good rugby. I just think at the moment, where they are and where their, where their group is, um, they've got to be able to try and improve. And I think, you know, maybe this year, possibly even next year, it might be really tough for them. Um, but I don't think they'll finish last. I just think that they've got to be able to have time to be able to have those guys that are going to be coming in. You know, look at Aaron Smith, who's going to be leaving. Shannon um, Frazal's going to be leaving. That's their two All Blacks that are, you know, there's not many All Blacks are in that group. But what it is going to do is going to give guys opportunities to be able to try and make that, make that team better. But I just think at the moment it's patience it has been able to give those young guys um, time in the saddle to be able to understand what it is to play a Super Rugby level, and then hopefully um, with the coaching as well, um, these players will continue to keep better, and the group will, I guess, find more, form more, find more consistency and win moving forward.
2: Oh, I definitely don't think they'll finish last. No way. And because when they get their game going, they're actually they're in in the contest. Yeah. Um, and again, I think yeah. that scoreline's a bit harsh on them. So the way they performed, if you look at them statistically and the opportunities they had, yes, they didn't finish them and get across the line and and probably made some defensive lapses in terms of their kick chase um, but and their turnover ball. You know, if you think, you know, one was at a freakish um, by Nawara, um, Sean Stevenson, freakish, turnover ball, Anton's try. Um, the kick behind is just a defensive lapse. You know, like, they're actually really fixable. Um, so that scoreline can... Um, sort of be a little bit unfair, but I I get the frustration.
0: When you consider, I suppose, what they used to be as far as picking up a lot of the players from around the fringes of New Zealand rugby, they used to be very good at picking up people who weren't wanted, like Wasaki Noholo, and then taking them down there and turning them into superstars, now there's also Moana Pacifica as a choice, and look at a guy like maybe Levi Almoor, there's a good chance that in a previous time he would have been playing for the Highlanders right now because they would have gone and picked up a person like him who didn't have a contract with another super rugby club. So, you know, I feel for them and that now there's a lot more competition for that space.
2: It's meant the pool is spread a little bit thinner. Um, It's also understanding that MLR is an exciting destination to go experience, you know, a bit of NBA, a bit of NFL, play a bit of footy um, as well. So that's another thing to factor in in terms of getting that talent. There's a lot of good... Super rugby ready talent over in the M L R. So you know it is the pool's been dragged because at the M L R they can still come back from N P C, see if they get a draft contract. Um, if they don't, then you know they go back. So yeah, I, I see what you mean, but this the the world's has changed from when I suppose Wasaki and Malakai. Um, there was no Moana, I agree with that there was no MLR they wanted to be All Blacks so they weren't ready to go overseas so yeah, that's when the Highlanders mm-hmm. could pick up players like that I just don't know if that opportunity is there anymore
1: yeah one thing that I do enjoy about the league is obviously they have that um, the lo- not the loan system the transfer system and so the guys that I know obviously it's going to open up a big can of worms but I'm looking for the guys that, um, that don't play a lot and given the ability to be able to are they allowed to go on loan for a year to be able to, throughout that year, go play for a Highlanders? You know, you look at like the likes of a Shea Fihaki, you know, who doesn't play a lot of minutes for the Crusaders, but send him down to the to the Highlanders for the rest of the year, get some footy, but then are still contracted with the team. That could be one opportunity or more so just being able to have the opportunity to, to release them and then they're able to go play for a Highlanders or Hurricanes or whoever it may be and still be able to play. Because I think that's maybe one space, because of the pool been so um, obviously with the MLR and then also with the modern Pacific a lot of those players that might be on draft contracts or looking to play super rugby would be infiltrated in other super rugby teams in New Zealand but I think the transfer system that I love in the, the, the league side is because guys can go from midway through there if they're not playing they still have the ability to then go into another team who might be struggling with injury tolls or have the ability that they just don't have the depth of the other squads and then they get to go play rugby and still being able to I guess um, add to the brand of rugby which we're probably missing a little bit. Let's
0: have a look at this weekend's fixtures. Uh, Chiefs versus the Reds, Bryn, how do you see that going?
1: No, nah, I see is it in Brisbane or in Hamilton? Nah, Hamilton? Hamilton. Ah, yeah, that'll be the Chiefs.
0: Yes. Yep, straightforward. Not much conversation needed there, despite the fact the they Reds... They were disappointing against the Tars, though.
2: Yeah. I yeah. think, yeah. Well, I expect them to do a number. and But the Tars, I mean, they've their, their team stood up defensively, so...
0: Yeah, yeah. Force against the Drawer. This is what we were just talking about before. Drua. Drua and I, Perth.
2: I'm hoping that they, yeah, exactly what I was saying. If they can just replicate that game plan and um, have that game management.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to pick the Drawer. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think it's probably a good time for them to have that confidence of, you know, I guess, building that belief that Jip talked around. They beat the Crusaders, beat the Hurricanes. I think now the challenge is to go do it overseas. So I think will be um, and the coaching staff there will be seeing this as a real uh, pivotal pivotal match for them and I said them getting it done over the force in Perth, sorry.
0: Canes versus minor Pacifica, that's a pretty straightforward pick. Canes at home, Bryn?
1: Well, not necessarily a straightforward pick um, considering how they went on the weekend. But no, I think that the Hurricanes, knowing what what's, what's required of them to be able to go into that kind of top three or possibly try and keep in touch with that the second place, um, yeah, I'd go to the Hurricanes and look for them to try and get a bonus point in that Mono Pacific
2: again. I feel for Mono Pacifica in a way because they had a f- fantastic performance, which puts the Canes on notice, but the Canes lost. Yeah. So they're already on yeah. extra notice. Yeah. And you just know there's going to be a backlash. Yeah. Uh, that's. I mean, I, I, I hope MP can stand up like they did against the Blues, but knowing the cattle that's in that Canes side that won't be happy... Mm. We're in for a
0: doozy, I'd say. Yeah, Tars v Rebels.
1: Tars at home. Yeah, Tars. Tars. I need to start making up, making up some points, so I'll be picking the Rebels. <laughs> yeah. Go the Rebels. <laughs> I like it.
0: Well, some people lost points on the weekend. The top guys were picking four out of six, you know, because there was there was Two the Reds-Tars game, and, you know, mm. um, as well as the Truer Canes. Drew Canes. Yeah. Uh, Brumbies versus Highlanders, Bryn?
1: yeah, probably a bit too tough for the for the Highlanders. Um, they could do it. Like we said, they've got the ability to be able to do it. But I think with, again, with what I said about the Hurricanes, with the Brumbies being able to try and get that second spot, um, yeah, I'll be sort of seeing a lot of line-out malls and a lot of box kicks in Canberra that time of year. So I'll be picking the Brumbies.
2: Yeah, I think the Brumbies, they didn't play that well against the Rebels. So, again, they're a top-quality side that will be um, sharpening things up.
0: Yeah, I don't know whether I should really even ask this, like, I'm going to have to ask it, but we all know what the answers to this question are. Um, So (laughs) the Crusaders against the Blues, Jipper, why will the Blues win?
2: Um, I think personnel back um, and they've got over the hurdle of winning in Christchurch last year. So I think they come to the starters line, you know, in line with each other. It'll it'll go the whole 80. um, But I think you know, the Blues need to back themselves and, and, and their ability. The key for them will be they need to have that quality set piece that they've, you know, they did have really quality set piece on the weekend and they had it in Fiji. If they get that, they know they've got the ability and they've got to get their kick straight right. The one thing the Crusaders always do so well, I mean, if you look at the weekend, um, where are you, Crusaders? 920 metres kicked, 528 metres run. They know how to play in Christchurch. Yeah. Like they've 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 got it down pat. So sometimes playing without the ball is more valuable than playing with it.
0: Jipper, if I know how close we can get to this book, but um, is this is your second book notes, almost finished. <laughs> nearly, finish? nearly, nearly. Very close. There's a lot of preparation that goes in on this book. <laughs> uh, okay, Brent. Why is Jipper wrong?
1: I just think, oh, I'm not saying he's wrong. We've <laughs> got points and it can be, uh, it can be done. Um, but no, I just think the, the set piece pattern, I think the improvements that they showed against the Force, and obviously the Force didn't put up a big, big, um, I guess, big hurdles in that, in that respect. But I think, you know, having Cullen Grace back and I think the success of that final last year, having that third line out option is going to be really pivotal. I think, you know, knowing that. Knowing that group, and I guess the time of the year it could be wet, could be a little bit, um, bit bit dewy down there. It'll be different going down to that kicking game, and sometimes playing without the ball. And I think um, the set piece, whether it be scrum time or line out, um, they would be putting a lot of pressure on the Blues. And so for that fact, I think um, the Crusaders with that um, will get the job done uh, against the Blues. Yeah. So
0: Crusaders Blues, this is kind of how we thought this was going to pan out. Yep. <laughs> as as for four years,
2: as I said, <laughs> as I said when it was the Chiefs Blues, yeah, I'm going to pick them. You're going to pick them. Yeah. No everyone down the, uh, watching or listening <laughs> would know I'm lying if I said the Crusaders. Yeah. They would just yeah. know. He's yeah. full of it. So yeah. I'm being authentic to myself. That's right. Lola C.O. and I. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Got to be your authentic self. OK, well, that's cool. Big game. The Blues versus the Crusaders. Uh, probably the top rivalry in, in all of Super Rugby. So going to be an absolute cracker. Both teams have got so much on the line, sitting third and fourth in the standings. And probably at the start of the year, both of them were expected to be either one or number two. So there's a lot to prove there. Jibber, thank you, thank you once again. Yeah, um, and Bryn, appreciate having you. You're off on a wee trip to uh, to Europe very soon. So we'll see a little bit of you over the next few weeks. But, you know, you got a lot to look forward to.
1: No, mate. I'm looking forward to it, mate. So now six weeks with, um, with my partner. So, um, yeah, you' will try and get some good spots to maybe get some visuals around where I'm going to be and where I'm travelling to, so looking forward to it. Vlog. No, there won't be vlogs from my material terrible when it comes to social media, so Sammy's actually pretty good at um, the old vlogging, so have to get on there sometime.
0: Does the team nutritionist hear that you're going to Europe for six weeks and just have a fit? It's probably celebrating. No, I think Chippa
2: knows,
1: yeah. knows me too well. Is it? I, get, um, I get too <laughs> nervy even when I yeah, think but, I'm off a week off, I'm off. And then this whole week before going to Europe, I've trained pretty much six out of the last seven days, so I get too worried worse so I'll be yeah. training while I'm over there, mate.
0: Pounding the pavements of the beautiful European cities, not a bad way to go.
1: Yeah, and just getting the old extension of the old wine glass just going in <laughs> every time we're going. It'll be good. Good balance.
0: Okay, mate. Well, enjoy. We'll uh, talk to you again soon. And thank you to you all for joining us once again on the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. Please catch us on YouTube, catch us on Sky, catch us on Rugby Pass. Please leave comments in the YouTube section. Send us an email, aotearoa Pod at sky.co.nz. Or leave us a video submission at the submission feed you'll see along the bottom here. Thank you once again for joining us. Matewa.